the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, man, I got a great show. We got a great show. We're going to talk with John Schlafly in a few moments. And finally, after a few weeks, I kept messing it up. You know, I get people booked. I have a a, a, um, documentary, Gotham. I've referred to it before uh, on the air because I've been trying to get the the creator, Matthew Taylor, on. It's been a a bit of a blood test. He missed one uh, interview. I messed up another one in terms of timing. He's a difficult guy to catch up with. So we will talk with him, though. And it's a very cool, very cool documentary uh, called Gotham about New York from the 1960s, late 1960s, maybe 66 or 7 or 8, all the way through 2010, covering especially what Rudy Giuliani did and Bloomberg did. Really interesting stuff. We'll talk to him about that. And especially in light of what's happening in our cities, uh, it's important. All right. First, what you need to know. Oh, we'll talk with John Schlafly also. He's got a good column. Uh, but first, what you need to know. Have you watched as they hit uh, Justice Thomas, right? They say Justice Thomas, he uh, he went on vacation with a rich guy. And the rich guy, uh, you know, he must be buying access. Except the rich guy never did any stuff before the Supreme Court. So eh, not the not the point. Not, not, not a good example. But they make a big deal out of it. Media. Huge deal. Huge deal. Okay, here's another one now. Uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch, Associate Justice Gorsuch, he sold some real estate, some land, and he and it looks like a, a friend of his bought it or somebody bought it, and they're a law firm. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. Now, I mean, Joe Biden's son, billion dollar deal with the Chinese, you know, bill, uh, uh, tens of millions of dollars uh, with everybody under the sun. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy. But hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you know, please understand. Whatever should be disclosed and open. Let's just be clear. Uh, $100,000 is not going to sway anybody or anything. I don't think, but be that as it may, here, here we are and we're getting this incredible, uh, you know, breathless coverage of the fact that this, that, that Chief Justice, uh, that Justice Gorsuch sold some land that he owned, that he had the right to sell, that he, you know, just he sold it and, but somehow he's, you know, massively corrupt. Okay. So this, you get the theme, right? You got the theme going. You see the theme, right? And that is go after people who are on the, Right. But here's the thing. It makes me crazy. You know, I was reading, a, I get an, a, an email from Politico EU from Europe about what is going on in Europe and what's happening there in terms of many issues. And of course, I told you, you have to watch because that is always slanted. But it's the establishment slanting of the um, of the left. That's That's what Politico is. And so this morning I'm looking and I notice that there is a Yale economist, okay, a Yale economist who is at the center of antitrust, okay, antitrust and the efforts of antitrust, and she is a Yale researcher, and she gets paid by Amazon. She gets paid by uh, Apple. I think those are the two. I might be getting them wrong. But basically, the same groups that she's supposed to be uh, regulating, she's uh, being paid by. And here's where it gets so hypocritical it makes your head explode. They go to the um they go to the uh to, to the the powers that be. And let me get some of this sorry, I'm looking for my notes on this. Let me get some of these things exactly right. Fiona Scott Morton, 
Okay. Fiona Scott Morton, Yale professor, and she was the chief antitrust economist at the DOJ under Obama. Okay. Now she's being named the EU's new chief competition economist. Okay. Wow. She must be really cool. This is an important job. You, you, you are at DOJ and now you're at Yale and now you're going to be the person who is working for, uh, the regulation, the antitrust and, and big tech. That's a big part of antitrust, right? Turns out she's working for Amazon. She's working for Apple. And here they, this is what makes me crazy. They go and they track down all these experts and they say, and she didn't, oh, and she didn't disclose that she worked for these groups. So she got paid money. By Alphabet, Google, um, excuse me, not no, she got paid money by Apple and Amazon. She didn't disclose it. And then she wrote a paper about how the U.S. should bring antitrust cases against uh, Google and Facebook. See, Google and Facebook should have known if they paid her, she would have written about something else. And this is my point. The de- ethics experts went and defended her and said, oh, it's no big deal because, you know, she's getting paid by Amazon and Apple, but she wasn't, you know, she's, they, she wasn't talking about them. She was talking about somebody else. So what does it matter? And that, you know, that, that it, it's okay. Now the EU is hiring somebody to be in charge of regulation of antitrust and they're getting paid by Apple and Amazon. And again, is there an outcry? No. Does anybody care? No. Why? Because it's acceptable if you're on the left. That's why these are never real criticisms. These are never real conflicts where someone says, look, there's been a change of conduct. And as is always the the, 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 uh, case, it's the boomerang. It's the boomerang accusation. Whatever they're accusing you of, they're doing. Can you imagine the person in charge of antitrust regulation? And writing articles that are published in influential journals it is not disclosing, but it's known that they work for Apple and Amazon. It's okay because it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not a real accusation. They're just going to accuse Gorsuch. And at the same time, they're accusing Gorsuch and Thomas. Elizabeth Warren is ramping up the media and they're covering it breathlessly that we have to change the Supreme Court. Because why? Because. The goal is not real change. The goal is destabilizing the institutions that hold us together. That's what they're doing. But this, this, um, this journal, this, um, uh, this uh, professor, it's just so amazing to watch. Yale uh, professor Fiona Scott Morton getting hired to be the antitrust, uh, uh, hired to do antitrust and, and EU's competition uh, czar. And she's getting paid by Amazon and Apple. And they actually called, they said, advises Amazon and Apple uh, well, advises that, that follow the money paid. Actually, now they're saying it. I think they're putting out that she used to, she may not anymore. Who else does she get paid by? Who else she get paid by? And you just go through the list. Who's paying um, NIH re- researchers who follow the money. That's my point. Just follow the money. You follow the money. You'll figure it out every single time. And what you need to know is it's not a real accusation about Gorsuch or Thomas or anybody else. It's just meant to damage them. And they'll never cover the conservatives that do it. Never. So it's not even, almost not even worth trying, but it's good to point it out. All right, we got to run. We'll come back and talk with uh, John Schlafly and also Matthew Taylor. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly's weekly column, The Schlafly Report, uh, is uh, posts over at our sister site, townhall.com. John and Andy Schlafly write a weekly column, The Schlafly Report, and uh, it's also available at phyllisschlafly.com. Um, John, I have to tell you, over the last week, since I saw you last week, I took a copy on a jump drive of all of the original Phyllis Schlafly report columns her her columns. And I'm sorry, John, uh, so far I'm up to maybe the third month of 1973 reading her columns. I read a few each day and she was writing. I think she was writing two or three times a week. It's really amazing. The amount of writing she was doing at this point. So you've been complaining about your column a week, how hard it is. She was doing three a week at this point at where I, where I am. So I don't know. So, so this week's column is end of end, excuse me, end ballot initiatives. We are not a direct democracy. So welcome back, John. How are you? Uh, good, Ed. And uh, well, this week, yes, we took a bit of a step back to address a festering problem, which is kind of a cancer on our political system, which is voter initiatives, which are really contrary to the system of government that our founding fathers created for us. And uh, I will call attention to, uh, and uh, especially in certain states where it has helped to, where it's really uh, aggravates the two parties that in the control of our of our uh, legislative process. So anyway, good to talk to you, Ed. Well, uh, John, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the history of this is important. And, um, and, and you mentioned uh, uh, the, the, the Constitution, obviously. Uh, but years ago now, I, when I was frustrated that uh, Missouri had um, term limits for its governor, but not term limits for other statewide officials, I, w- I went back and studied the history. You know, all of this direct democracy started in the early part of the 20th century, the so-called progressive movement. And they went through this, uh, all these programs. They added the federal income tax. Um, they, they, they ch- made multiple changes, but one of them was this direct democracy. And, and of course, th- there's many reasons to be against it. Um, but one of them is that money, it makes it easier to lie about something that's really complex. In other words, it's one thing to lie, like Joe Biden, when he announced for president, he said, you know, we need to finish the job of protecting our freedoms and protecting our rights. And you want to be like, wait, it looks like you're the guy that's taking away my rights and my freedoms. But you can lie as a candidate. It's sort of like, okay, I'm going to decide whether to vote for him or not. When you lie about the law and hide the law and and create a multi-page document that you're supposed to vote on, it just makes it impossible for democracy to work. Well, yes, and we of course we have a mass system for you know distorted information. Uh, so the 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 media, uh, uh, we've seen the uproar in the cable news channels uh, in the last few days. But the mass control of the media by interested parties is um, you know is a problem to any sense of you know direct democracy. You know because. Uh, uh, and so when, you know, that would, you know, direct democracy would mean essentially giving control to the mass media. And we we can't have that. It means, you know, the people who, you know, the, we've, the left people, the people on the left have complained about Citizens United and the influence of big money. Well, you know, this is exactly what would be the consequence of either either at the national level or at the state level. And what what we focused on, Ed, this week is the extent to which 
direct democracy through ballot initiatives, ballot questions, I should say, um, have uprooted and distorted the legislative process. So, and they've, anyway, um, it's something that should be considered. Uh, you know, we didn't mention the upheaval in the cable news channels, but, you know, you can bear that in mind as you consider this whole process. Well, uh, let me let me um, let, let me pause and take a, a sidebar then with you on this because uh, you ha- you are a keen observer of um, uh, of the media and as a you know writer and a reader and all. Uh, but I know you were you were uh, also were a I don't know fan is the right word, but you were a a, a watcher of Tucker Carlson. Um, I was joking with someone today. I did an interview with a a radio station in uh, central Illinois. And I was saying, you know, they, they, they brought up Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson. I said, well, there's one striking distance, a uh, difference. One guy got huge amounts of ratings and huge amounts of money, uh, whether it was for Fox nation or for Fox. And that was Tucker and Don Lemon, who they couldn't, you know, they, they tried hard to give him lots of space to go ahead and make money and, and bring eyeballs. And he didn't, I mean, there's a big difference, but uh, Tucker Carlson, John, um, maybe say it this way. What's it like without Tucker Carlson on the air? Well, Tucker Carlson uh, was frequently calling the deep state to account and calling uh, attention to the control of of, of, uh, certain financial interests who get a pass on all the other channels. So, and that includes the pharmaceutical industry, for example, uh, and includes the you know, the, 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 what we call the deep state, which is the departments of, uh, defense and justice and health and human services and the intelligence services that continue to run our government regardless of who is president. And, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson was shining a light on all of that. And, uh, nobody else is doing that. So I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the other hosts on Fox News Channel, are, they keep reminding us that Joe Biden is old, which I think we all knew already. And uh, but that's not really um, that's not really the, the the key issue that's facing our country. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I say say what you said. I'll say what you said in a, a different way. Um, and I think this is uh, this was one of the strengths of uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly is you got the sense that nobody owned Tucker Carlson. No, he wasn't afraid to say anything because he didn't need, uh, I hate to say it, didn't need his job um, and didn't need to rely on somebody. So he could be against broadly against the Ukraine war, right? He could be, you know, uh, you know, broadly sympathetic to other uh, world leaders in the sense that we we can't run their country for him. And so let's, let's just settle down a bit. Uh, And that's, there's almost nobody that, uh, that that does any of that, and and I think more importantly, the the cautionary tale may be that you can't do it if you uh, want to stay on and 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 have a show. Um, we'll see where it ends up. All right, but John, back to this column, uh, please. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly uh, and ballot initiatives. We're not a direct direct democracy, uh, John. Um, you know, the uh, you refer to Article Four, Section Four of the Constitution. Uh, every state in the union is a Republican form of government, and your point here is that this direct democracy is taking that away. John, um, is this about? I mean, do, do you think this is coming to a head because 
what the the money realized like soros realized hey i'll invest in the secretary of state of uh, of missouri and other states to influence elections i'll invest in the d- district attorney in certain places uh to influence policy and and relatively low cost uh compared to i don't know, winning the population to your side uh, now you've got a situation where in lots of states i'll I'll, uh, the money's figured out. I'll, I'll, I'll legalize marijuana everywhere. I'll, I'll uh, put in massive protections for abortions. And you could say, Oh, aren't those things sort of policies and, and rights? No, nah, a lot of money behind, uh, uh, marijuana, a lot of money behind abortion and the abortion movement. Is, is that what's going on? Is the money has figured out this is the cheapest way to get what they want? Uh, you can't get it from the Supreme Court. I mean, the same way you did for 30 or 40 years. Is that what you see happening? Well, there's no question if you look back over a few years, the the vast expansion of what used to be called vices, including marijuana and gambling and abortion, uh, to name three, uh, have been uh, pushed through ballot questions. And ballots, you know, questions on the ballot can either be initiatives or referendums. Initiatives means, you know, CIS can go collect signatures on petitions. But, of course, those signatures are bought, and somebody who's willing right. to spend millions of dollars can hire, you know, thousands of people to go out and, and first of all, misrepresent what the ballot question is all about and then get their signature. And that's the way things get on the ballot. And then step two is to fund deceptive ads, which tell people how to vote on the question. Um, so uh, the other option, which is in a number of states, referendum, that means it comes from refer, which means a question is referred to the voters by the legislature. So, or sometimes there is a process by which when the legislature passes something that um, uh, signatures can then put that question on the ballot after the legislature has already acted. So there's the process is different in every state. And, and, uh, you know, it's complicated to figure it out. But the people who want to change our country have figured it out, and they're willing to spend millions of dollars to get it done. We saw this happened in Michigan, which had the side effect of changing the entire government, uh, including statewide elected officials in both houses of the state legislature, from Republican to Democrat, in the space of just a few years. So that is the biggest example right there. And it was ballot questions in 2018 and 22, which did that. You know, you wonder how did how did Michigan flip? Well, it was ballot questions that did that. Marijuana in 2018 and abortion in 2022. John, the same thing about to happen in Missouri. Both, so we bo- can't let it happen. Both, both, uh, both parties will do it, right? I mean, is, am I wrong to refer to the, is no. my mind? Is my no, mind? I don't see. I don't see uh, conservatives effectively doing that. Uh, well, not not conservative, not conservative, not conservatives effectively doing it. But hold on, 2004, Karl Rove put on 30 plus states uh, ballot initiatives to uh, to define marriage. Karl Rove. Carl, now wait a minute, Karl Rove. You're giving credit where it's not due. <laughs> Karl Rove had nothing to do with that. That okay. was done over Karl Rove's opposition and objections because Bush that was going too far for Bush. Anyway, but that did happen. That was a uh, you know that was a you know truly a groundswell uh, of of citizen activity. That was a totally different situation. There wasn't any money, but wasn't a significant amount of money behind it. That was 
that was ordinary people responding to court decisions. So I think that was a totally different position. But in any case, we're arguing about ancient history now because, as we all know, the United States Supreme Court has overturned every single one of those 30, 30 states that had passed those over 30, more than 30. I think it was 33 or 34. And the Supreme Court acted in 2015 to overturn every single one of them. So that's and everyone says, well, it's all over now. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, John, uh, so the remedy here, you know, the, the old old Phyllis Schlafly uh, line was, OK, so I got the problem nailed down. Now tell me, what are we going to do to fix it? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, you've got to understand it and the states that are affected. And uh, I'd say, you know, Missouri perhaps is going to be the flashpoint. Missouri and Ohio over the next few months, next six to nine months because uh, ballot questions are being cooked up in both of those states. So, uh, you know, Missouri and Ohio are both uh, red states now. They used to be more swing states. Now they're red states. But, uh, you know, the, the other side has not given up, and they aim, the other side aims to take those states back uh, to what they were decade or two decades ago, and they're going to do that through voter initiatives. It's going to take people in those states to uh, prevent that from happening, Ed. So I, I don't know if you have listeners in those two states. I hope you do. Mm-hmm. So uh, people can be alerted to it. Yeah. All right, John Schlafly, thank you as always. Uh, John's column again this week, the Phyllis Schlafly Report and Ballot Initiatives. We are not a direct democracy. John and Andy Schlafly over at townhall.com. It kicks off first, but you can find it at phyllisschlafly.com. Thank you, John, as always. All right, we will take a break uh, and uh, come back. I'll put that up on social media too. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Well, I talked about it a few weeks ago, and then we had a hiccup, and I missed the interview. Uh, so I'm very grateful. Our next guest is Matthew Taylor. He's the director uh, of a documentary that's called Gotham, The Fall and Rise of New York. And you may remember a couple weeks ago when I was talking about this, I was uh, talking about how you can't always see all the pieces that are in place. And I was describing that Mayor Dinkins, Mayor Dinkins um, actually started to clean up New York. And if you watch this uh, documentary again, it's called Gotham, the fall and rise of New York. You find out that he started, he realized he had a problem. So Dinkins follows Mayor Koch. I told my listeners last week, uh, Mr. Taylor, and I said, and then he, he starts to clean up, get some cops, but he's he's beaten in office by Giuliani before he can get any credit. I'm simplifying a bit. So first of all, congratulations on the documentary and uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. So, you know, the fall and rise of New York, and I kind of want to, you can't know when you start to do this, but you look ingenious in your timing because you're able to, you, you show in this that starting in the 70s, New York is is sliding and why it's sliding and what the numbers look like and then what brings it back, which is a combination of Giuliani and Bloomberg, but also, you know, a change in how they police, a change in how they consider things. And yet here we are where a bunch of cities in the country seem to be making the same mistake that they made in the 70s and 80s. I, it, it, did they did they not learn anything? 
Well, you know, look, you, you have a, a relatively safe record over the last 30 years. If you're, if you're 30 years old, you were born, you know, in, in the early 90s. You don't know a bad New York City. You've never yeah. seen a bad New York City. So that's largely a myth. The after hours Scorsese, you know, New York City has been gone forever. Um, and so, you know, everybody thought that, oh, well, after COVID, everything will get better in New York. The problem is, is that COVID didn't call New York, cause New York City to slide into where it is. It was already heading there due to eight years of bad policy under Bill de Blasio. You know, but I do think that New Yorkers um, did try to turn their city a little bit better than Chicago when they tried to elect Eric Adams because they thought they were getting a pro-business, pro-police uh, mayor. This is only a year after the BLM riots in the right. city, but, you know, where Chicago chose to go in the other direction. So, you know, it's it's a I think everybody's confusing covid with bad policies. And, you know, this could tease out for a very long time. I mean, the city could not recover for 10 to 20 years if uh, these policies continue. We're talking with uh, Matthew Taylor. He's the writer and the director of uh, the uh, documentary. It's called Gotham. Uh, you go to GothamMovie.com, GothamMovie.com. You can see all about him and a ball, a ball all about the movie. And, and you can uh, you can get the movie, I think, almost anywhere you get movies. It's available on all the different uh, uh, sites uh, that you can get a movie. Um, iTunes especially is, I think, where I, I saw it. Um, okay, uh, Matthew Taylor, when you started this, did you, I, I mean, you sort of knew the arc, right? I mean, I hate to say it because it's been clouded by a lot more uh, uh, attention, but the hero of this story was Rudy, right? I mean, Rudy, until he, he got so much attention in the, the 2000 election, even in the ni- 2019 and all Trump administration, he would have still been, he was the hero of this, right? You know, the way it started was essentially we were looking at just telling the story. This is back in 2019. And we were just looking at telling the story because what a great era. It's really yeah. interesting. A lot of these guys were, you know, they're, they're older, you know, and yeah. they're, they're, some of them are in the eighties and nineties. And it was just really important to tell the story. A number of months later, as COVID came <laughs> and the lockdowns came and the cities turned into, into a disaster, we realized this was not a project looking at the past, but this was a guidebook looking towards the future. And so initially it was really about the nineties. And that's when I decided to expand it to say, hey, actually, let's go back and see how it got there so we can see how it came out. Um, and that's essentially how the project scaled in scope. Uh, Bloomberg, of course, was added because we wanted to focus on education, crime and welfare. And where Giuliani succeeded in welfare and crime, uh, Bloomberg actually exceeded in, in, um, in uh, education. education right. And so, so we kind of wanted to show that kind of scope and end in 2013 on a high note and say like, look, it has been done. If it can be done in New York, which was the worst place for all three of those metrics, it can literally be done anywhere. And it was done under much more primitive, uh, uh, you know, a primitive time when you didn't yeah. have the technology and you didn't have the communications. So essentially we came out of this on the other side of what started almost three years ago in creating a project that is literally not just for now, but it's for now going forward for all cities, for every city in this country. 
again, we're talking with uh, Matthew Taylor, the uh, editor and director of Gotham, the movie. Go to GothamMovie.com. Um, so uh, some of the stars, when you look at the rundown and when you watch this, you know, you got City Journal and the Manhattan Institute. It's not a surprise. You know, there were writers even to, down to today. Uh, Heather McDonald certainly is, appears uh, quite a bit in the national media. And you see her and, and hear what they're doing. But these other others that were part of this uh, uh, that are names that are familiar. Fred Siegel, for example, if you follow closely. But other stars in this, you know, uh, um, the the one that was interesting to me was Joe Klein. So he's the best selling author. I, 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 my, it slipped in my mind the the uh, primary colors. You know, it was that anonymous uh, uh, a book that eventually he was identified. He's he's not a conservative, and he's interviewed at length, and he says, "Look, we just needed somebody to fix this." You know, and 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 then this is going to sound like I'm running these together on purpose, but. Joel Klein, a very famous lawyer uh, in the Department of Justice, ends up coming back to run education. And he says, look, I, I wasn't education. I was not an education guy. I just knew how to run a complex bureaucracies. Th- those those um, non-traditional uh, elements that said, hey, we're hitting bottom. We've got to try something different. It, that's that's very interesting in this. And I, and I wonder, you know, with the combination of uh, technology now, information technology, uh, some of this disruption of covid, if if the, the way forward, maybe it's not a, uh, you know, a, a liberal journalist uh, and maybe it's not a, a technocrat, uh, a, a lawyer in this case, but non-traditional roles for non-traditional players may be part of what, you know, how we get out of this. Well, you know, it's it's we kind of highlighted in the movie that really what they did was just realign incentives to make government work the way it's meant to work. I mean, that was it. And you can see it highlighted with how Giuliani, say, dealt with the garbage. You know, everybody, you get paid where you get paid and you pick up the garbage. And he said, hey, how about I pay you for every additional pound that you pick up? And then within weeks, the garbage was gone. Right. And so, so like people say, well, I get paid more if I get more garbage. As he says in the film, they didn't even take lunch breaks. You know, and, yeah. and so I think the thing that kind of makes the era so fascinating is it was bipartisan. You have Bill Clinton, who was crime reform, welfare reform. You had Giuliani, who is in left in Clinton in some issues like immigration. You know, and you have you have a lot of Democrats and Republicans coming to the point where saying we just can't live like this. We can't just live in in filth and decay and destruction. And at that point, they said, well, we're all going to have to work together to get out of here. And that was it. It was a realignment of, of incentives. It was a moderation towards, you know, a, a place like New York. Eventually, Giuliani would be elected, I think, by 57 percent, the reelect, which right. is a huge number, you know, a huge number. You know, and so I think that era was really that was it. It was super, super simple. And, you know, when you realign incentives, because cities are going to get a lot of money, you need a lot of money to prop up massive amounts of infrastructure and all these things. And welfare, instead of just sitting on welfare, you got a job. And the numbers went from 1.2 million people on welfare, and in eight years went down to 425,000, right? So these numbers, you, you, can't, you can't make them up. That's what happened. They just yeah. realigned incentives, and everything went back online. Uh, Matthew Taylor, again, the uh, director and the writer re- behind Gotham, uh, The Fall and Rise of New York, a documentary about the history of New York uh, down um, from the 19, late 60s through the 70s and 80s, all the way up till, uh, I guess, 2010s. Um, when you look around the country now and you're saying, hey, look, if you, you, you see how low it was, how bad things were, how uh, the crime, the property crime, the, the sort of um, uh, uneasiness with living together, all these things in, in New York at the, at the sort of bottom. Uh, and then you look across the country. 
and you see, you know, San Francisco's gotten a lot of attention on TV, but there's other cities, right? They, as you mentioned, Chicago. Um, what's the give, when you look at that? Where are the cities that are that give you a hope that they've learned some of these lessons, or maybe they're learning some of them and they're giving themselves a chance? Are there pockets where you say, ah, they're getting it? I know you mentioned New York. Uh, Adams, Mayor Adams, seemed to be elected on one platform. Not sure he's really governed where he people thought he was. But where do you see signs of hope in the modern sense, or 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 do you see hope? Or do you have some sense it's hopeless? Well, you know, I'm I'm not seeing a lot of hope in a lot of these cities with the exception of New York. And that look, a lot of people have come out and said, Oh, you know, this, this movie's rah, rah about Giuliani. The people elected these people multiple times. They elected him twice. They elected Bloomberg three times. Um, and they elected Eric Adams over someone like Maya Wiley, you know? And so the right. population of the city just got fed up. There comes a point where people say, ah, it, the park was clean and I could go in there last year and I can't do it now. What's wrong? Right. And so the thing is, it's like, I think in cities like San Francisco, Chicago, you know, they are not particularly making the best decisions, but you do see moments with say the election of the Virginia governor or, or some of the, some of the city officials, even in San Francisco getting tossed out because it just comes a point where people just won't, you know, take it anymore. So I do encourage the population of these places to say, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to put up with this. You can get rid of these people. You need a leader to lead urban centers. That's what you need. And without a leader, these urban centers will not come out. And that's really up to the people of those places. And again, I do applaud New Yorkers for making the decision, you know, to to try to swing the city in a different direction. Now, whether he follows through, we'll see. You know, uh, but of course, they reelected Hochul up in Albany, which was a terrible decision, in my opinion. You know, and so so I think that's it. People need to understand they're empowered to fix their cities um, by finding the leaders to help them fix their cities. All right. One last question. I'm looking back at my notes for this. And again, the movie is uh, is called Gotham. And and the uh, it's really it's really interesting to watch and kind of fun, because, as I mentioned, uh, there's lots of different people coming through that, you know, you're reminded of relatively historic figures. I mean, Mayor Cox, seeing some of the footage of him, he was a first rate uh, character, you know, just an amazing uh, talent as a politician, but a character. But uh, but here's my question. Not the famous guys, not Rudy or, or Bloomberg. Who's who's the most is there a most important uh, person in this that you say, huh, that guy or gal, what at that moment that they did it without him, without her writing about this or making this argument or coming in? Maybe it was Bratton or something. Is there one pivot person that maybe not the famous ones, though, uh, that you, that jumps out at you that you enjoyed uh, understanding their role? Well, you know, I, I, it's funny. I think Bill Bratton. You know, he plays a pretty pivotal role. Of course, he was in both yeah. the Dinkins administration. He was in the Giuliani administration. He was also actually in the de Blasio administration wow. for the first three years because even de Blasio knew he had to keep the crime down mm-hmm. to, to keep the city going, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it's, it was a lot of these innovations came out of his camp and how he kind of looked at policing. You know, I think Ray Kelly also uh, deserves a lot of credit for the work he did uh, under not not just not just for crime, but also for like, you know, turning the NYPD into a into a international uh, terrorism fighting force, you know, and then of course Robert Doerr running welfare, you know, under under uh, under Bloomberg, uh, Jason Turner also doing things to make things efficient under uh, Giuliani in the welfare se- segments. These people actually changed numbers; they moved numbers 
in a direction. They, they created accountability and metrics and they, they met all the metrics they wanted to meet. Uh, and it, look, it's a success. People can like or not like these people, but the numbers do not lie. The life got better, primarily for minorities um, in the city. And the, the results, the results, we all lived them and it's fantastic. And I hope New York can get back to this, to this, yeah. uh, to that state of wonderfulness. Well, I, it's a really interesting uh, documentary. Congratulations uh, on doing it. Uh, Matthew Taylor, again, is our guest, the director, uh, the writer behind Gotham, The Fall and Rise of New York. It's uh, GothamMovie.com. You can see the trailer there, and you can get the the movie anywhere you get in movies and, and books and all, and, and you find it. So thanks very much. Sir. Hey, wait, oh, let me ask another. Is there a project because of this? Has it sent you down the path? A lot of times somebody finds one project, and it sends you down a path to another. Is there something else that's come out of this that we can look forward to? Well, you know... Uh this actually came out of me working on a project to, to make a Robert Moses project. Oh, and cool, uh, cool. yes, I was already working on that. And then this oh. came along and I kind of pivoted. So, you know, there's some, a lot of people come to me and said, Hey, can you do a follow up that talks about the de Blasio years? And we'll see if oh. something like that happens. Oh. But well, Robert the, Moses, the, the Robert Moses. The, yeah. Robert Moses. That's, that's one of the, that, um, what is it? The power broker. Is that what the name of that book? The power it, broker. It, yes. Yeah, by it, Robert it, Carroll, yeah, yes. It, it is. It is. You read that book and you, I don't know. I want to encourage you, but our listeners, I, I mean, it's, he's probably one of the, I don't know, top 20 most influential people in the, in the country because of what he did over like yeah. 60 years. Right. I mean, he was in power. Massive, for, yeah. Amazing. Long time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Long Very good. Time, yeah. Uh, so that, I that's encourage our, on that's that what one. we're interested in doing. Thank okay. So All much. right. Yeah. We'll be in touch. Matt, uh, Matthew Taylor, thank you very much for this and uh, for coming on with us. We will take a break, everybody. I will put up on social media uh, all the links to uh, Gotham, uh, the movie, uh, and the website and uh, all the rest. And again, it's uh, the, the website, GothamMovie.com. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden is pledging our country to support a perpetual war in Ukraine as his way of appeasing globalists who control the presidential nomination process. As Phyllis Schlafly wrote in her 1964 classic, A Choice Not an Echo, quote, the strategy of politics like an iceberg is eight-ninths under the surface, end quote. Phyllis's wisdom can be seen on display as Biden sent his Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to Kiev, Ukraine, merely a week after Biden himself visited there. Our Treasury Secretary should not be flying into a foreign war to pledge unlimited funding of the war at American taxpayer expense, but that's exactly what globalists want. South American countries, led by Brazil, were quick to attempt to broker peace in Ukraine. For this, globalists persuaded Germany to retaliate against Brazil by blocking shipments of Brazilian goods unrelated to the war. At the same time, Biden oddly delayed visiting the toxic train wreck in Ohio and dispatched a leading rival, Pete Buttigieg, to visit it instead. This posturing by Biden makes little sense if he's trying to defeat Trump, who did visit Ohio, but Biden may view Buttigieg as his more immediate hurdle for the nomination. Buttigieg was groomed, after all, by the Foreign Rhodes Scholar Program, just as Bill Clinton was, and many globalists view Buttigieg as their first choice, just like they did with Bill Clinton. Joe Biden has not spoken at the globalist confab in Davos since January 2017. In contrast, globalists prominently promote their favorite Buttigieg on their website, touting him as one of the most visible political figures from the millennial generation and even 
a winner of the JFK Library Foundation New Frontier Award. These subsurface rumblings clearly indicate trouble on the horizon for the Biden administration, but all will be brought to light in 2024. However, now is the time for conservatives to be preparing for what President Trump wisely called the fight of our lives during his CPAC speech. In the battle to preserve our culture, the globalists will most certainly be our biggest adversary. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability never hesitating to say America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, finishing up a quick wrap-up. Let me tell you a secret. Let me put this prediction out there. I'll make a prediction for you here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Joe Biden will not be the nominee for the Democrats. And the reason why is he will drop out. And the reason why he'll drop out is because of RFK Jr. RFK Jr. is actually better at this political thing than ever. He looks and sounds like a politician. It's like a a Camelot deal. It's, uh, you know, and all that. And, um, Biden is going to have to come to a point. They don't want to push him out. They don't want to make him retire. They want to let him run and stay in office as a caretaker. But he's going to get shown up. And he's going to get shown up so badly that they're going to have to push him out. And Joe Biden is going to be like Lyndon Johnson. And uh, he's going to be like one of his heroes that's told. They come down the hall and they say, hey, sorry, it's time for you to go. And it's going to happen. Pardon me, because RFK Jr. has all the right pieces of this. He's trusted. And here's the one thing you know. He is not for sale. Nobody owns him. He has his own money, his own name, his own fame. And Joe Biden was for sale, is for sale. All right, I got to run. Thank you, Noah Dingley, our producer, Ryan Hyde, associate producer. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.